Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. Now it's time to talk books. Although it's not Robert Kirkwood's talking books, we are looking at colouring books. But how accessible are they if you are colourblind? Well, Chris Guest has been looking into just that. Chris joins us now. So, Chris, tell me a little bit about yourself and where the sort of colourblind part comes into it. Hi. Well, like you said, I've been designing a colouring book. And, yeah, for all my life as colourblindness is that a lifelong condition. I've had red-green colourblindness all my life, and it's really actually impacted on career choices, and especially as I'm quite good at drawing, a lot of the artistic careers and options weren't available to me. Also, I thought until I released this book, and so it was really sort of a statement to say, yeah, you can actually do it, you know, you can actually achieve within the artistic field and yet still have limitations on your eyesight like colourblindness. And people would probably think, Chris, how can being colourblind really affect your life, you know, day to day or as a career? Massively. I mean, first of all, you have to <laughs> you have to put up with the constant reception from people that when you say you're colourblind, they go, you're not. Really? Go on then, what colour is this? And then you have to play the game of guessing the colour, <laughs> which, which after a few decades of your life can get a, a bit annoying. Mm. But in terms of a career, well, think about it. In terms of art, countless times as a child growing up, I'd draw the pictures and colour skin in green when I thought it was like a tanned orange. I'd colour skies in purple when I thought they should be like a type of blue. And even though it says red-green colour blindness, it doesn't just affect those colours. If you think of it like a, a colour spectrum in your primary colours, most people can't see. But it's those colours where they verge through the spectrum that makes it hard. So colours like lilacs and turquoises are, are almost unidentifiable. I mean, if you look at a rainbow, most people can pick out several colours. I can just see three, red, yellow and blue. And most of the time it's just blue and yellow. So it really stops you from pursuing those careers, especially in the time I was growing up as a student because there were more limitations on the actual tools and facilities to enable you to do art and do drawing. That's changed massively, though, in the modern times. What's changed then to make art easier for someone who's colourblind? I think a lot of the software that you use, so, for example, you use Photoshop or you might use actually traditional materials like uh, pens and pencils, they've just used common sense in the labelling I mean, when you label a colour, it's much better if it's an actual accurate colour label, so red rather than passion or something like that, or uh, blue. I'd much rather have them as coloured and numbered like blue one, blue two, blue three. And there's been a lot more sensible labelling of paints, pencils, markers and things like that, which makes it infinitely easier when you're actually using the materials. And also the software has been able to incorporate this as well. So you hover over the colour palette and a little colour comes up to identifying what that colour is so that you can use it. It does take longer, obviously, because there's that bit of a delay, but it means that you can use it and try and reduce the errors, really, in your work. So where did the idea then to produce a colouring input come from? Well, I'm a teacher and I um, teach students and my great driving ethos with my own teaching is that students can pursue their dreams. I mean, that's sort of why we all go into teaching. We want to facilitate dreams. And the reason why we do that through our subjects is we enable you to have skills through your subjects that go in and achieve those careers. So I was chatting one day in one of the breaks and the children know that I'm good at drawing. And they said, 
why don't you do anything with it? And my only answer really to myself, I told myself, was because I hadn't really tried to pursue it. And I thought, if I'm a teacher and I'm trying to say to students, go and pursue these dreams, really I have to live by that example as well. So that was the inspiration to get me actually up and doing it. But when I actually looked on what was available on the colouring book world, there was quite a limited choice, so that sort of shaped my design options as well. Okay, so if someone who's colourblind wants to buy the colouring in book then, are there any directions to help them when it comes to, to sort of colouring in the blanks? Well, this is the whole point. So what I've got on each illustration is there's also a digital version that you can buy. So what I've tried to do is reduce, if you make an error, there's no impact on you. For the digital version, you can print and print and print what you want to do. And also, with the very nature of what I've chosen as my medium, fairy tales, it's not as prescriptive as, say, a ladybird or, you know, a tiger that has to be orange and black. The things I've chosen are fantastical creatures like dragons and witches and things like that. So there is a much broader scope for people colouring. There isn't that limitation on prescriptive colours. So you're hoping to challenge people a little bit then to use their imagination and not stick to the norm? Yeah, because don't forget colouring is used for relaxation and also sort of reducing anxiety and stresses. It's been used by lots of people for that reason. If you go on the internet, it doesn't take you much of a trawl through Google to find huge groups of people that use colouring for that exact reason and so that's why i wanted to do something that was more imaginative i mean there's only so many mandalas and patterns that you can color in so i wanted to choose things that were really sort of part of our whole childhood growing up which was fairy tales but give them a new twist and make them more imaginative and make them inventive and also add a bit of humor into them so that the adults could get the jokes and also enjoy the actual process of coloring any plans for a follow-up well, I've got a new book in, in the works, which is called Monsters Eat Everything. <laughs> and that is going to be based all along the idea of different monsters. And if you imagine like the original Hollywood movie posters of King Kong, mm. and he's on top of the skyscraper, the damsel in distress under one arm and the aeroplane in the other, I'm sort of subverting that and I'm putting like a ketchup bottle in one hand and a, a, like a Subway <laughs> sandwich in the other. So and that's what I try and do. I try and add humour to them. So, for example, you go to the one in my current book, like Beyond the Fairy Tale Forest. It's got like Goldilocks and the three bears, but rather than the bears being out in the woods, they're sort of locked up in the cupboard downstairs, and Goldilocks is busily robbing the house. <laughs> okay, so fairy tales, but not as we know them. So. <laughs> no, think of, yeah, exactly. Think of Shrek. If you know how Shrek sort of uh, subverted that mm. narrative and made it funny, that's what I'm trying to do. So, for example, the wolf of um, Red Riding Hood, I've, there's a picture in there as well, and it's the wolf, he's actually gone into Granny's house, not because he wants the cakes, but because he wants her fashion choices, and he's, he's holding up a costume to the mirror saying, I love Gran, and Gran's busily hidden away under the bed who, because he's hiding <laughs> it because he's got rid of her. Fantastic. Chris, it is it's a great idea. If people want to find out more about the, the colouring books themselves, how do they get in touch? Well, you can get in touch with me directly, illgottenbrain at gmail.com. That's my email. But also, if you go on Amazon, it's available worldwide, my book. It's available from amazon.com. Just type in Beyond the Fairy Tale Forest, and it's available through Amazon and Book Depository. And Book Depository is really good for those people who live outside Britain 
because it offers free worldwide shipping. And I know a lot of my Australian supporters and people from Canada have used that one to get the material. Fantastic. Chris, best of luck with this one and the follow-up as well. And thank you for telling us all about it on RNIB Connect Radio. Great, so thanks for having me. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.